right? From what the introduction I heard this morning is, if your kids are going to stay here, they better be quiet. That's the message I heard. Uh, yeah. Um, and, you know, I've, I've actually seen it written in the paper. There, We had a chance in Orlando to put in uh, something about our church. It was a rotational thing. Every week, a different church put in. And one temple put in once. We are a family organi- you know, institution. So crotchety old people and crying babies are all welcome. <laughs> I thought, wow, that's really welcoming. Uh, I'm going to go back to General Assembly. There was a congregation who was forced to have corporate worship because they had a space limitation while they were building. But they really had a very positive um, experience with it, and so much so they didn't want to give it up. Um, there are websites, uuintergenerational.org, where it talks about how to create intergenerational worship without going crazy. Um, and it's got to work like the Muppet Show, frankly, where there's sight gags for even the youngest, but a deeper meaning for older people. Right. And it's a hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So, um, and whether or not your children are going to enjoy that, I don't know. It would depend on uh, what, it, what the experience would be like and whether your adults could be educated in be, to being welcoming to children, also another issue. Um, so I think what, I'm, what my sense is that is you definitely would prefer to find an identified person who would come to work with you with, for 10 hours a week who would be here at least half of the Sundays and coordinate your a religious education program. And so um, the district's ready, willing, and able to help you look for that person. And uh, if you find a person who's not yet experienced, we're standing by to help you get that person some basic training and support them through monthly cluster meetings so that they learn from their colleagues. Um, we, we've been pretty lucky at getting people up to speed pretty good, pretty fast. And I think it was also our hope that in the interim, while we're in that search for a paid part-time DRE, that we could contract with someone, especially around evaluation and uh, of how this year went and preparing for next year, um, what curricula we're going to use, how we're going to structure the RE program, and providing that sort of professional level of of consultation to our RE committee, I think would be very valuable. So, One thing I really did want to hear from you was your sense of our chances. One thing I, I, I was very curious to hear from you today, Andrea, was your sense of our chances of being able to hire a 10-hour-a-week person who comes with sort of some level of uh, training and expertise that would allow them to actually help us run a RE program next year. Um, 50-50? <laughs> um, it really depends on, um, I'm not sure I recall offhand the level of compensation you th- you want to offer this person. So, okay, good. Well, that's good. Um, I think I would try to broadly advertise. I would advertise to other congregations, ask them to put it in their newsletters in the surrounding area. I would advertise to the young adult population, to seminaries. Um, who might have someone who'd be willing to work 10 hours a week while they're in school. And uh, that's sort of a mixed bag because that person's probably going to leave you pretty fast. Um, 
in, usually in August, we have at least a, a one-day new DRE workshop. We usually try to lead right into one of the basic Renaissance education modules, which are 15-hour trainings in religious education, either administration or curriculum or teacher training, uh, something very basic. And so um, you would want to put in your budget um, enough money to get that person started. And uh, for me, $1,000 uh, in that first year is, is a reasonable amount of money. Yeah. I mean, it, each training costs with travel to get there about $300. Um, so you could get them to three trainings for that. Well, and then a little bit extra for membership in uh, Lareda, which is the Liberal Religious Educators Association, is very modest for a newcomer. Um, that, I think, that membership in a professional organization can make someone feel like the Velveteen Rabbit, really real and can make the difference between someone willing to stay and grow with you and someone who just does it for a year or two while they're doing something else. You know, frankly, I thought, oh, this would probably be cool. I'll just, I'll take this interim job because the DRE quit and, and I'll just finish out the year because I know where the lemonade is. <laughs> and when, after I got the job, I was really in, enthralled with the work. And I spent a lot of my own money getting trained, actually, because I was working half-time for $13,800 a year. And, uh, you know, the, it sort of waxed and waned how much money they had to support me in going to training. But it was so fascinating to me. And I had so many children that uh, it really became a lifetime commitment. But early on, that membership in Lareda made a big difference. If it hadn't been there, I probably wouldn't have stayed. I haven't been participating in the, the religious education here, and so I'm not speaking from experience um, is it, as a teacher or a dairy or anything, but having changed careers, having gone in, into new situations where I was challenged to rise to the occasion, having someone offer me the opportunity to be part of a larger network of people who knew what they were doing made the total difference. So um, I think that one of the questions that Patty had asked me are what are next steps? We'll finalize your position description, write a short ad, get it in the, in the, the system out there, get it printed in other people's newsletters, and see who applies. Just to contribute to that thought, I work at Barnard College, which is part of Columbia University, and right next to Barnard is Union Theological Seminary, as well as um, Teachers College of Columbia University. And I know they both have career development offices where they post positions, and I'd be glad to go over and post whatever is written up um, at both of those offices. That might be a place where we might mm -hmm. get some interest. I'm actually already an approved field education supervisor. Patty, Michael, could you um, bring everybody up to date on what the, who is in the search committee and what, what, what the progress has been made already? I'm just kind of so um, just to, uh, up to date on the search process uh, for a DRE, uh, we've sort of put things on hold until after this workshop 
because we wanted to incorporate the feedback from this workshop. If people wanted to go in a different direction, we didn't want to post something and then have, have it decided that we wanted to go in a different direction. Um, Ed Teberger from the board, uh, uh, Katie McLaughlin Walsh from the RE committee and I are the search committee right now. And our next step is to uh, tweak this, um, this job description and make it realistic. Um, one thing we were, Ed and I have been talking about, and we'll bring Katie into this discussion now that she's been um, named as the RE committee liaison, is whether we um, actually have the, the budget to make this a third time position instead of a quarter time um, position, which is what the, um, the UUA's guide to religious education recommends for a congregation our size. Um, so, uh, It'd be like 12 hours a week instead of 10, but you know, or 13 hours a week, but maybe not to make the job description any bigger, but <laughs> to make it, to make it, a, to make it a four unit a week instead of three unit a week, um, job. So, um, so that's one thing we were talking about and that the budget process also is ongoing and, uh, the, the sort of placeholder budget would make that possible, but um, we still haven't heard from all the pled people who need to make pledges this year. So if you, uh, hmm? Yeah. And one part of the next step, I think, how we need to promote uh, the position is one thing, but to me, um, you know, the, you said there might be a 50-50 chance of us finding someone, so not that I want to bring out the lemons, but what if? I mean, part of uh, my concern is what if we don't find someone, and our history of having a volunteer DRE is this congregation is those people have burnt out and our, one of our last volunteer DREs left the congregation and has not been seen since. Um, and as a community, you know, it's, it, well, right now I don't see anybody in the wings to be a volunteer DRE. So then it goes back to the model of RE leadership. If we don't have, I mean, sure, we could hire someone to consult with us and bring you in to do a teacher training and help us determine our curriculum for next year and maybe go over our forms and are we using, you know, the right type of registration forms. But then running the program Sunday by Sunday takes a lot of work and takes a lot of management from someone within the congregation. And without having a volunteer DRE, not having a chair or a co-chair, um, and having a, really a committee, we have a lot of um, new faces on the committee. They have a lot of energy and enthusiasm and commitment to the program, but there's not a lot of lay leadership, and I don't know what's our next step to secure that we will have some, you know, what, 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 how will we run a program next year? Right. It may take, with your search process, it may take, if, if it doesn't happen, if that doesn't happen this year, it may happen next year. Happen in October. So. Right, right, right. So, you, so um, you know, there's two different things that's that's going on. You need to maintain the current program that you have, and you want to grow. 
your budget too. Um, so, so you want to do both at the same time. But you know whether you have a very small program or a very large program, I always hear the same same thing. So you know you could you could have two hundred children and you could be saying the same thing. We don't find somebody. It's always the same problem. So and there are um, and people getting burnt out. I mean, someone had suggested as hiring a DRE that we could hire a DRE to teach our classes. I mean, if we have one, like last year, last year we had one through six, and that we could have had our DRE teach that, and that you're not then using parent pool to teach because we're burning out our few parents from teaching, that we could hire a DRE as small as we are just to come in and to teach, and that they're the ones teaching every Sunday. So it could go to a model like that. We could, we could, we could pay teachers, but then we could also um, hire a DRE that's never here on a Sunday. So it can go from one model to another, where you're paying your DRE to teach, or you're paying your DRE to work with the committee and doing all of that, and then you have volunteers who are here on Sunday monitoring the program. We have a, um, a our preschool program, our, um, we have a purchase student that we hire every year. So it's what? not a purchase, a SUNY purchase student, you know, who's interested in education. Um, and we hire them every year to, to do the, the uh, programming and, you know, we'll, ha we'll have a curriculum and that teacher is responsible, the teacher, from per, uh, the student from Purchase, and it's undergraduate, um, will um, come every Sunday morning and teach and teach the preschoolers whatever the curriculum. Are you familiar with Stanford? I think I just recently saw, saw on Stanford's um, website that they're hiring teachers. Right. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, I've worked with Stanford before be, and, you know, and told them about that. And, and a student would be more of affordable. Um, they need to do it for their um, for school, um, for for graduation, um, and they need to make a little money too. So, um, so that's an idea. You could do that with, you know, you you want to have more of an impact here, um, but but you can definitely hire um, teachers for the younger ones. Um, one, and give them your, your curriculum. One thing I noticed just in terms of language is the reference to parents teaching. And I'm wondering if that kind of language makes those of us who don't have kids assume that we don't have to participate in the project, in the program. And I'm wondering if, may, again, I've never taught in the Sunday school here. So I'm perhaps the least likely person to do this. Um, but I'm wondering if that if there needs to be constant reminders to everybody that it's all of our kids and that everybody. So maybe not, just even not using the word parent would help. Kind of change the mindset. to teach 
when all the years I was on the area committee, we got up and begged every spring for yeah. everyone, including non-parents. And we do try to encourage non-parents. Um, I mean, today I'm saying it. I mean, this year we actually have had a lot of non-parents teach. Last year Nan and Barbara and Jack, and um, we've had a lot of non-parents teaching. Um, This has been a frustrating year for, for any, some of our non-teaching parents. I mean, the other issue is the consistency of kids coming. I mean, there's a lot of community issues. Um, but there's a lot of there's a lot of community. It's been a rough year. We've not had consistency with our DRE supporting the program. Um, in as a community, we don't have consistency of kids coming into the program. And a lot of people are aware. I mean, you have divorced families, so kids only come every other Sunday. We have the sports families. My children, you know, it's spring sports now. You won't see them again until next winter. Um, you know, but part of you know, as a community, then maybe we should look at the RE program, maybe we should have classes before Sunday school, before fellowship, and then by 10 o'clock, 10.30, these families are ready to go out and do their sports, and they've gotten their religious education in. So as a community, these are things that we have to look at. Or are we willing to start our worship service earlier at, you know, 10, 9.30, 10, so that we're out of the building by 11, so families can go on with their day. So, you know, there's a lot of community issues, and we really publicize this meeting here to be a community. And I really appreciate all of those of you that came today that don't have kids, because it's been great to have a lot of non-parents here today. also saying the kids week to week aren't the same group of kids. Mm -hmm. And also from the kids' perspective, they don't know who's teaching them week to week, and that's also a major deal, not knowing, and it's not as sense of security of a little family as you're going through it, and that's a big deal too, to have parents bringing their kids, when the reason you come to something like that is to be with other kids that are And be with their friends. Our goal is to have a teacher in the classroom at least four or five consecutive Sundays. That's our goal. We can only work with that as a goal, and then we work with parents' schedule. There's. But it's the chicken and the egg. Do they come because they're enjoying it because they're there? And, you know, it's a cycle. Um, there's also a model called Wake Cool Sunday School where they only do curriculum every other week. So if you can get your custodial parent to have that be their on week, then you could get some more continuity for the kids who are only um, attending every other week. And then the other weeks you do different things. One of those weeks you might do an intergenerational worship for the whole time. The other one you might do a social action project or you might do yeah, an yeah. art project. So, um, you know, really take a look at what your families need and don't try to mold them into the box. Ask what, what size and shape box or bowl they might need for their family. Um, some of them might prefer to come on a weeknight. Some of them, you know, Madison, Wisconsin, that has over 500 children and not a facility that would hold that many, um, has many different RE programs, and one of them is on late Saturday afternoon. 
you never know what's going to suit families. Is there a survey out there that other congregations, if, I mean, it's, that, to me that sounds like a next step. We would almost need to survey our families to say, mm -hmm. ask them. you know, what times, what days, you know, obviously we didn't have enough families to give all their feedback today, but is there a survey that if we were to hire a consultant to help us evaluate more what the needs of this particular con congregation we is, can ask we'd the have local, to design our own? local folks to, to give us some examples, but you'd always want to customize it. Um, we're past time, so I do want to thank you all for coming. And uh, Patty, are there any final words you need to share with us? Um, well, I think I just had mentioned I really do appreciate everyone coming out, and especially all of you that do not have kids involved in the program. Um, you know, and it's a continued conversation. So uh, one reason we wanted the committee to be involved, I know there are people here from worship and on the board and the choir and, you know, so what, however you're involved in the congregation, keep these conversations in mind as you're planning worship and planning music and thinking about how do we involve our kids, how are we not involving our kids, what can we do to, to make them more a part of our community. And when we ask for help, you know, know that we're asking everyone for help. My suggestion was, I don't know how practical it is, but we are now having choir practice here. And I'm wondering if it's possible on special occasions to have some of the children who love to sing or are good at music take part. There are also kids who play instruments. Yeah, recently we've had uh, people interested in a children's choir, so. Or even Not just a children's choir, just twice a year mega choir, where yeah. everybody comes to sing, yeah. even if you can't commit all year, yeah. come for two practices and sing on this Sunday. Yeah. Right. That's what we've done. And, and we have one 22-year-old is coming, but there are kids who are younger yeah. that I've heard who are terrific. You have activities. During the service, you have activities. You have, you're going to hire a babysitter then, actually, or a college student. Or an arts, uh, or an arts. arts. That's where those kids really make their connection. It's not during religious training. It's when they get to play and be together that they make lifelong friends, like my boy and boy. But friends forever, since kindergarten, came with the same kids to the religious school. That's where you make them. The problem with that, and I'm not you know, saying this in terms of disagreeing that it should be done, is that there are activities that go on here before the services on many weeks that use the RE space. I understand that. It's a it's a problem that has to be factored in.